Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. I feel like we covered a lot of stuff last episode, last two episodes. I have... I did need we? To, did we already issue the apology on the uh, yeah. advertisements? Did. Uh-huh. while back. Okay. Actually, are you interested in advertising for the blah, blah, blah podcast? I mean, I've been trying to get a hold of you. About your car's extended warranty? Oh, my goodness. That Maybe was you awful. should do it. you got a great voice for advertising. Well, I mean, if we found... I think I've told you this before, and I'm going to say this again. We are asked, what, every day we get emails for sponsorship opportunities or guests or this and that? I mean, it's unbelievable. All the infiltration we get. They want access to you, DIY Money they listeners. They slide into the DMs. They want access to you, and we will not let them have it. You are correct, sir. Yes! I mean, I'd love to, to uh, you know, support some some companies or brands, but we've just never found anything that aligns with our mission. Because, <laughs> think about it. A, a, a business wants to just get to a consumer to sell them, more often than not, a product that you don't need. And so that's not kind of our message, is it? Yeah. We've trusted quite a few, though, behind the scenes. Yeah? And like what? I don't remember. Uh, various different services and softwares and stuff like that. I remember when we read, when we had to read, what was that company we tried to, I don't remember I don't what it was. It was the cheesiest commercial. It was. Oh, my goodness. I remember you showed it to me. I was like, are you serious? We have to read this? It was dumb. It was terrible. Yeah, so we decided not to do that anymore. And I think they we made like seven dollars, if that. <laughs> that was awful. Took us more time to print that and ink cost than it did to. Our goal is to widen the audience and create a great platform to educate others and really talk about common sense. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what we're doing. Couple of housekeeping odds and ends though. We need questions, okay? I don't know if I scared some of you away with some of my answers of late. I apologize if I beat some of you up. It's not ever my intention. But I need questions. We're, the queue is starting to get a little uh, a little sparse, and particularly from you ladies. We haven't gotten many questions from you ladies. So we'd like some questions. It's a great way to get a $25 Amazon gift card. Bam, right there. It's a no-brainer. Some of your Christmas funds you order in you know the christmas presents for the for the kiddos $25 amazon gift card and right there you're $25 off what you got to get for the stocking stuffers or whatever so uh send those questions just all you got to do is hop on your phone create an audio uh, voice memo and then email it to podcast at diymoney.org that's podcast at diymoney.org it's pretty simple and then we'll uh we'll use it on the show and if we do we'll send you a $25 amazon gift card easy peasy that's all I got. I thought there was something else I wanted to share, but I don't remember what it was. So You didn't tell me either. Yeah, that's okay. Anything going on with you? I see you back on the coffee during the... Well, I guess it's 10.30. Is that go. when you have your first cup? It's what a little the, late what today, is the I guess. regimen? Yeah, somewhere around 9.30. Nine thirty, ten. 10. I was off caffeine for three days. Uh, we noticed. It was it terrible was, around here. Yesterday was the most miserable day. Day three was the most miserable day uh, day one and two was actually no problem. The weekend was not a problem, and I was—I have not been sleeping well, so I wanted to try to kick caffeine to see if that would help. It didn't help in the three days. But then today, we have just this marathon of schedule, and I fell. I fell hard. I was, it was awful. You made a choice. I made a choice, but I fell. I mean, I, I'm going to try it again. 
It's if any of the listeners you made out a there conscious decision it. to drink caffeine. Yeah, of course I did. It wasn't like, oops, I accidentally fell. No, that's just. Come on, Daniel. That's a figure of speech. When, mm-hmm. you, when you slip, when you fall, I fell. I fell. I made a conscious decision, but I fell. Ugh. That's Anyways. taking a leap. All right. Well, here we go. We got a question from. I think it's Aiden. Is that what we said? Aiden, even though he doesn't say his name on the question. Aiden, what do you got? D-I-Y! Hey, DIY Money Crew. I got a quick question regarding the tax implications on a taxable brokerage account. I've already fully funded my Roth 401k and Roth IRA to the max, as well as a fully funded HSA. So I continue to dollar cost average every paycheck into a taxable account through TD Ameritrade, where I primarily invest in various Vanguard ETFs. I do plan on purchasing a house at some point, And even though the timeline gets continuously more fuzzy as interest rates skyrocket and things are looking less and less affordable, I will eventually be pulling funds out of this Ameritrade account. So since I'm continuously investing into these ETFs every paycheck, when I want to pull funds out, how will I know if they're going to be taxed at short-term or long-term capital gains rates? Will Ameritrade automatically pull the oldest shares out first in a sort of first-in, first-out order? And since I'm kind of just throwing money in each of these ETFs somewhat randomly to keep them balanced, how can I know how much of which funds to pull when the time comes so that I minimize my tax burden come tax season? Thanks, guys, and looking forward to hearing from you. Okay, here's why I brought this question out is most people, uh, not most people, a lot of people don't even realize that you can invest outside of retirement accounts. So everybody thinks about the 401k or a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA. And then we constantly get people who who go to us, well, what else can I do? What else? I'm a saver. I've got this money sitting in an account, in a bank. What else can I do? And what people don't realize is that a very solid strategy is to begin an investment account, a general investment account to be building up funds to be used for the future. Now, in Aiden's case, use it for a down payment out of a house or to buy a car, to put kids through college or to supplement retirement. So there's a unique strategy. And this is one of the things we try to, to discuss with younger people, especially high-earning younger people. This is why, if you go off on a little bit of a tangent, if you're younger and you're a high earner and your thought is, well, I don't need to work with an advisor or work with someone or have somebody look at my stuff until I'm older, closer to retirement, that is a tragic misstep. Now, we run into some problems working with younger people. Sometimes the models don't align. We've tried different things. It's it's frustrating. It, it, it really is. But at the end of the day, sometimes um, it does work. And sometimes working with a younger person is very beneficial uh, because we help them establish a plan to start investing outside of the normal retirement funds so that early on in retirement, they have a nest egg to pull from that they can then, or with the help of their advisor, control their tax ramifications. And this is circling back around to basically what Aiden talked about is, you know, how do the taxes work in that? 
But ultimately, why we brought it out is so many people just don't realize that this is a solid strategy. So if you're one of those people, please understand, if you've fully funded your retirement accounts, if you've explored things like the Roth IRA or the HSA, don't forget about that, you have your emergency fund, you're saving monies for you know car fund or whatever, but you still have additional capital. And many people out there going, who the heck does that? Well, people who have paid off their debt do that. Ultimately, an investment account is a great option. Now, Aiden, on the website, on Vanguard's website, one of the tabs that most people are really not accustomed to looking for, but you should, is unrealized gain loss. So if you venture into your you know, app or your uh, website, Vanguard, looking at the ETFs that you're looking, look for, because they won't show it on the position page, more than likely. I don't think they show it on the position page, which is typically the first page that you look at. Look for the tab that shows unrealized gains and losses and become accustomed to looking at that section because that section will give you an understanding of a few things. The first thing it will give you an understanding of are you making money or are you losing money on the position? So you might be dollar cost averaging and you're thinking, well, I'm getting a good price. I'm probably up in this and your account is growing. But what you don't realize is you've been dollar cost averaging into an emerging market ETF. And ultimately, the thing does nothing but go down and you actually have losses. No, I'm not bitter about that, but I basically am because I'm doing that. But you could look at that and go, wow, I'm actually down in that position. Other positions you could be up in. So that's the first thing. Are you up or you're down? And ironically, Aiden, as you roll into the end of the year, I don't care what your age is, there's some strategies that you can look at there that we'll talk about in a second. But the second thing you could look at is are they long-term or short-term gains? Short-term gains are going to be taxed as ordinary income. Long-term gains are going to be taxed as long-term capital gains, two totally different tax brackets. So there's a strategy to look at there as well. So when it comes time to use those funds, that's when this tab and those variables are going to be very important to look at. And if it's basically you know, up to me, depending on the time frame and depending on the environment, and that has a lot to do with it, you could consider taking some maybe losses off the table so that's not going to impact your tax situation or at minimum looking at the long-term gains so that you're paying a lower tax bracket. Now, what's important is, this is the last thing I'll say and I'll let Daniel go into some other strategies such as you know gifting long-term gains or you know offsetting or tax loss harvesting, which is this unbelievable world of tax-managed investment accounts, which younger people should be doing as well, in my opinion. But the other thing that you could look at is you could see a gain in an ETF. You could click the little plus button, open it up, and you could see certain gains are long-term and some are short-term. Now, when you go to sell that position, obviously, if you sell it all, you're going to have a mix of short and long-term. But you should be able to designate if you you know look at it with enough care and you kind of go through the process of selling, you should be able to designate which lots, L-O-T-S, lots you want to sell so that you could make sure you're only selling long-term as opposed to short-term. I could spend an hour on this subject. But we don't I get won't. an hour. I know. I won't. But it's a great subject matter. And I, I wish more people, younger 
professionals making good money would go down this path because it could help them tremendously. Balls in your court. Absolutely. Yeah, your broker has to uh, follow your instructions when it comes to uh, your transactions. And so uh, most accounts are going to be set up with a default of, of what you mentioned, Aiden, FIFO, first in, first out, which means that typically if you just go and you place an order and you don't give any instructions, uh, your oldest position or your oldest lot is going to be the one that's sold. The problem is, is that a lot of times in a most sort of long-term normal markets, that may be the position that has the most gains on that. And that may not be what you want. In fact, a lot of times when our family goes to sell a position, we'll actually open up those uh, lot detail and look for the most advantageous ones to sell at any given time. And, and we'll kind of carve those out, sell those uh, and take care of that. And you can do that. You know, one of the things you, you asked is how do you decide what to sell? Obviously, beyond selling whatever it is you want less of in your account going forward, uh, you can look at what is going to be the most tax advantageous to sell. Uh, so looking at that way. But I think not only looking at your tax picture right now, but also your potential future tax picture for when you're going to need the rest of the funds, there may be times when you actually do want to take capital gains now. Uh, during a time when you're paying less taxes or in a lower tax bracket and uh, offset some of those things uh, that don't have as much tax ramifications for for later. So it's really a dynamic picture. And and this is where it comes down to your personal financial situation and kind of understanding your tax picture on a year to year basis. As Quint said, uh, there's other things you can do. You can uh, sell some things that are a loss, take some gains on other stuff and create a tax neutral situation. Uh, That's tax loss harvesting. If you're charitably minded, uh, one of the things that you can do if you're giving cash elsewhere as a part of your financial plan. So if you're giving to a church or uh, nonprofits, uh, social causes, things like that, that are tax deductible, and you're getting a tax deduction on that, one of the things you can do is you can set up a a charitable account. You can donate shares instead uh, to offset uh, your long-term capital gains. You you won't take the long-term capital gains when you donate those shares, but you will get a tax deduction on those donated shares. You can take the cash that you otherwise would have donated, put that into your brokerage account since you've now made a donation with shares and repurchase those shares at a higher value, thus moving up your cost basis. That was a few things with the fire hose mentality. I love it because, again, I I think if you – it's not for everybody, but if you're in a situation where you're investing outside of IRAs, Roth IRAs, et cetera, and you're building up an investment account, please go back and listen to what Daniel said. There's so many elements to, to take in into that um, consideration. This year, for instance, with, with markets being down um, and having invested throughout, I personally am spending a lot of time making sure to tax lost harvest any investment losses that I have moving into similar yet different per the IRS investment vehicles that will move up as the market moves up. So, for example, um, I I sold out of um, some NASDAQ 100 index ETF positions and I moved into a Schwab large cap growth fund. So very similar in correlation but different in sort of you know overall makeup of the actual fund. And so I was able to harvest the loss on the, on the NASDAQ 100, move into the Schwab large cap growth fund, and ultimately, if, the, if and when the market recovers, participate with that, but I captured that loss. That loss can offset any other capital gains that I have or have taken this year in other investments. 
Um, conversely, there's years, and again, I'm only rehashing what Daniel said, but I'm giving you specific examples. There's years in the past where my wife and I are going to make a charitable donation. It could be sizable or not. It's irrelevant. We have what's called a donor-advised fund set up with Schwab. It's connected to the account. It's super simple. And instead of, say, making a a $1,000, $5,000 donation to a 501c3, we take $5,000 worth of appreciated stock. So instead of selling that stock and paying the gain on it, we take the $5,000, we move the stock into the donor-advised fund, it sells it immediately. I don't pay that capital gains tax because I made the donation into the fund. The fund then makes the $5,000 donation to the 501c3, and I take out of my checking account the $5,000 that I was going to give the charitable organization, and I deposit it back in my investment account, and I buy an investment with that money. So again, I know this is over a lot of heads, and you're going, whoa, I just totally missed. Go back and, and you know listen to it again. When I was a younger man, I used to things that confuse me, I would get really frustrated with, and I'd be like, it's too confusing. I'm not worried about it. I don't care. It's not for me. And I learned very quickly, that's a costly attitude. Go back, try to figure it out. If you can't figure it out, ask somebody, learn about it, because these are strategies that can help you tremendously. Excellent question, Aiden. Bravo on the savings. Bravo. Great job on the DIY money lifestyle. Keep those questions coming, especially we roll into the end of the year. Podcast at DIYMoney.org. That's podcast at DIYMoney.org. Remember, friends, the secret to wealth is pretty simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest and do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want your questions aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.